Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman. This is part of our AECOM Ohio University Sports Administration series, Life After Court Street. Uh, excited to be with my special co-host and Laura Waters-Brown and our two guests today and Ben Wong and Eddie Kondrala from both the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, excited to talk to them a little bit about business intelligence, analytics, the roles it plays within the sports industry, not only on the business side, but the player side as well. Some of the things that you maybe don't know about the business and uh, analytics side of things and how it truly uh, impacts all different aspects of the business, um, not only on the court, but off the court. Uh, so Ben, Eddie, welcome. Excited to dive into your journeys from Athens a little bit uh, and go from there. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jake. Ben, let's start with you from a journey from Athens perspective. Um, you know, any any uh, lessons learned that you uh, were able to kind of take upon uh, from Athens into the rest of your career? Yeah, I. Uh, that that's a great question. I uh, I've always you know think think of Athens as as a second you know hometown. Uh, just because you know I'm from China and and uh, Athens is the first city that I lived for you know more than a year and uh, uh, with all the classmates and you know I, you know for sure I I, I the, the the biggest lesson I learned is really just uh, as an international student you gotta you gotta learn the culture you gotta learn the you know the language first you gotta you know hang out with your friends and classmates you gotta you know, learn how people think, how people uh, discuss uh, of business matters. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the most thing I really appreciate is, is really, you know, all the classes, classmates are so friendly, uh, not just to my class, but also, uh, you know, the, the class before me and, you know, after uh, our class. So I think, uh, uh, the biggest thing I, I would say, you know, uh, you know, special appreciation and, and, and thank you for staff. And at the time it was led by uh, Jim Kaler and all the, you know, professors, uh, Dr. Lee, uh, everybody was extremely helpful and uh, uh, helped me a lot. So. Eddie, you, you crossed over with Ben for a year, I think you said, and, and, uh, what was that experience like going from Athens uh, to working with Navigate to kind of start out, but then going to Phoenix for a while? Yeah, I mean, Athens and, and Phoenix are, are very different places, um, but, uh, you know, enjoyed my time at, at both of the places. Um, you know, I think for me, um, from from a program perspective, one of the things that was helpful, um, you know, I knew when I was going there that I wanted to focus in some sort of data and analytics um, profession once I once I left OU, but um, I actually really valued being in a class and in a program where it, there was very diverse in terms of what everyone was interested in, right? You had people interested in collegiate, collegiate athletics, you had people interested in you know, community relations, sales, development, um, you know, some of those things that I, I wasn't really interested in or, or even as familiar in, um, but uh, being able to interact and then maintain those relationships beyond is, has been was really helpful and, and has been you know helpful throughout my my career. 
Um, and, you know, the, the program in general, it helps expose you to a lot of different areas of the sports industry. And, um, you know, I, I think that that was, was honestly something that gave me a leg up when, when I left OU was, was being familiar with, you know, different areas of, of a sports organization and, and understanding what their, their challenges are and, and help me as, as an analytics person to, to help them, which is, you know, I, I really how I see uh, the role of business intelligence analytics is, is as a support role in helping the rest of, of business operations do their job better, which of course it, it helps when you understand what they actually do. So, um, you know, I think that that's something that, you know, I probably didn't appreciate as much at the time, but as soon as I left, um, you know, I was very grateful that I got to be exposed to um, all those different areas. Um, you'll never, never, ever catch me uh, picking up a phone and, and trying to sell something, but uh, it's good to know people who, who can do that. You know, that's, that's so interesting, both of you going through the program, because I think when you think of Ohio University and a sports ad program, you don't really think about the data side of things and the data science and the analytics portion. Um, I, for one, definitely, definitely uh, should have paid more attention in my data analytics classes that I had and then ended up in data analytics for a little bit. So I find that very interesting. But I guess for me, both of you going into this world that is so heavy focused in data and analytics and numbers. And oftentimes I think people go to schools to you know have that specific education curriculum. How did the sports side or understanding the sports business classes help you uh, in your career and into where you are now? Yeah, I mean, Again, I think like understanding, um, you know, the, the different, um, not only jobs within a, a sports organization, but also what exists outside of just sports organizations. You know, I did my, my internship with, uh, with Navigate and, you know, that's an, an agency that specializes in sponsorship valuation and, and research. And I, that was something I didn't, you know, realize that, uh, uh, existed when I got to Ohio, right? So I, I think it's just understanding, um, you know, some of the different things that are out there, some of the, the different challenges that organizations or, um, you know, agencies and, and things like that are are facing. Um, and, you know, I think even since, since you know, I was at OU, um, the number of jobs in the analytics field has increased significantly. And in the, the, are the I guess the industry analytics industry is kind of expanded and broadened um, so it's not just um, you know the back-end data programming type things there's you know now analytics there's people focused with jobs in the sponsorship department or in um, CRM right like those are those are now largely like analytics fields that um, you know even when I was at, at OU were not um, we're, we're, we're probably not as analytics centric, but that's just kind of the, the evolution. But at the same time, like, you know, what OU exposed me to, I think helped me understand um, how you could apply data to, to those areas. Eddie, it's safe to say that when you were probably going through the program, everyone kind of thought as thought of analytics as Billy Ball, uh, Moneyball. I'm sure that was probably close mm -hmm. to the time in which maybe the movie or the book came out or something of that sort. And you know, everyone thinks that that's where analytics is. And at the end of the day, uh, and I'll, I'll go to you, Ben, right? The, the analytics is ultimately a tool to help decision-making. 
to help further exactly. business decisions, strategy, you know, futuristic planning, et cetera. Um, you have a unique spot where you're not only on the NFL side, but also with the NBA team to where you see two totally different landscapes in a sense. Yes, there's a, probably a lot of crossover, but can you talk a little bit about how the, the business intelligence world has grown um, and maybe the differences between sports? Yeah, definitely. I, that's such a great question. And Jake, I, I cannot agree more with what you just said, what, what analytics mission is about. I think it's really just a, a, a tool or a, a team of people who focus on, uh, focus on using their skills to connect people and data and people's decision and, and answer people's questions. So I think that's, that's really spot on. And, uh, my, my experience uh, really helped me a lot because, you know, I, before I came to OU, I was, I was a software engineer. So dealing with databases and coding is like, you know, uh, is like a, a skill that I have, have practiced for so long. Uh, and, and with this, with the school works and everything and my internship with DD sports, I, I started to learn about you know, all the ways that I can use the skill. Uh, it's really, I guess when I really started, uh, analytics was not, you know, super hot yet. It's just right, right the beginning of it. So um, I got the opportunity to really uh, try all the different uh, stuff, different projects using different tools like Excel, start from Excel, uh, then all, you know, SQL, Python, uh, Tableau, uh, for visualization. So that helps a lot. And uh, it's very common right now uh, for most of the teams. Uh, everybody need to learn these tools to be able to uh, do their work. Uh, and in terms of the difference of sports, I, I think uh, uh, for, for two teams in the same town, uh, they're, uh, I, I can say that the, the business uh, focus is a little different uh, and that kind of really drive what we do uh, for example the saints are in a very lucky spot because uh, we have very loyal fans we have the whole gulf coast uh, fans uh, who are supporting us every year and uh, our focus is really driving the best fan experience and make sure uh, we have uh, provided the, the, the best service and make sure the fan, when, when the fans come to the games, they enjoy uh, the experience and also focus on data, focus on how to uh, capture as much data as we can uh, to understand our fans better, understand what their needs better. And, uh, and the third part, I think, on the business side for the Saints is, is really you know, uh, drive the revenue. So uh, maintain uh, the revenue we can. Uh, with the Saints, we are, we're still uh, in the process of doing the Silverdome uh, renovation. You probably saw on the news. Uh, right now we're in phase two and uh, hopefully by end of August, we'll finish phase two when we'll create a bunch of new uh, seating locations, uh, new premium inventory. So focus on that uh, is, is also part of our, uh, our job right now. Um, on the Pelican side, you know, the season is still going on, but 
but the major difference is is, is that um, the pelicans uh, still we still need to try to uh, tell all the sports fans and and especially basketball fans uh, how the experience uh, is how good it is to come to the to the pelicans game. Uh, we still need to retain all the season team members who buy the uh, Pelican season tickets or partial plans. So uh, obviously the, the job for us is focusing on uh, uh, reporting, uh, analyzing the you know challenges and opportunities, uh, pricing of different products, uh, you know during the season doing all the dynamic pricing projects for each game every day. Uh, and try to automate all the process from data operations to you know analytical projects uh, to uh, help all the data systems to connect with each other uh, and you know help all the you know different departments to sell and to to serve the fans. Uh, so on the business side, you know definitely different uh, challenges. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned quite a few things there from a complexity standpoint, right? And that you're you're trying to accomplish or help support accomplish multiple goals, right? Moving at the same time, um, yet you're in a city with two different fan bases, right? In a sense, and so um, Eddie, my question to you would be, you know, in in Phoenix, right? You kind of have the Phoenix is, is up and coming. There's people moving from everywhere. You don't necessarily have the same type of fan base that you would as a Pittsburgh Penguin fan, right? Where you're dealing with different fan insights and so on. So as you think about how the organization structured or how the organization has um, created their culture, how does that affect the business analytics side where you're using data for insights and decision-making and so on. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, having been at the Suns for, for seven years and now the Penguins, you know, approaching a year, um, you know, I've got a pretty good handle on the, the differences. And, you know, I think it it's a, a macro thing too, right? Like every organization um, faces different challenges and has, has different opportunities, um, whether it's regard to, um, locale, team performance, um, the league, things like that. So um, that's that's going to be the case no matter matter what your team you're at. Um, but yeah, like you know, Phoenix is very much a, a transplant city, um, and uh, you know you have have people from all over. A lot of people from you know California, but also a lot of Midwest um, influence people people going west. So. Um, you know, it tends to be more transplant. Not everyone there is is a Phoenix sports fan. Um, so I think that lends itself to, um, you know, you want to make your product more experiential, and and how can you how can you do that? Um, because you you do have people who maybe aren't going to be in town for um, for the whole year too, right? It's a it's a tourism destination. So um, how do you create opportunities to capitalize on? certain events, the, the waste management open was a big one, right? So like, you know, that was always an opportunity for us um, having having games at, at the Suns to, to capitalize on on that that type of thing. And, um, but yeah, so I think like, you know, the experiential thing is, is certainly important um, when you have that that transplant type of 
scenario. Um, at, at the Penguins, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are born in Pittsburgh and, and never leave, um, right? And it's definitely a sports town and, and every team shares the, the same colors and and has, you know, a, a, uh, a extremely uh, wide following. Um, and, you know, I think one thing too at the the Penguins, which is, is probably a little bit different than than what experience at the Suns is just the the gender uh, differences too. Um, you know the the league and or the, at least the the team here has has an extremely uh, rabid uh, female uh, following as well, which I you know I think creates some some opportunities. But in general, like just the, the engagement is is really really high. So you know from a social media perspective, um, it, it kind of puts a uh, uh, a microscope on on that so you you know there's a lot of opportunity but also a lot of pressure to make sure you're um engaging with the fans in the proper way because there is there is so many people that maybe won't even ever come to a game whether it's because um you know it's they're not able to get tickets or, or just because they they like to, to watch on tv but um so i think you know more of a focus on the the social side is has certainly been one thing that um is is evident um from from coming over here because uh, there is such that loyal following, but you know, with that comes um, challenges to make sure that you're you're delivering value to them and, and also monetizing it the proper way. Yeah, I, I think I really want to echo what what uh, Eddie mentioned earlier is that because one thing I have so much memory about Phoenix is that you know when I was working for the Coyotes. It's essentially in the same market. The biggest challenge for for me to kind of think about and work on almost for every game is that you know there are just so many away team fans, opponent team fans every game, and and the the best game you are thinking at the time was the Coyotes versus Chicago Blackhawks, right? But when that's when during the game you're figured like 80% fancy and tan are wearing the black cost jer uh, jersey. So it's for our fans who are actually buying season tickets. It's actually a nightmare for them to attend because they feel like being, you know, it's, it's not a good experience because they, 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 they can't, their voice is not heard and they're dominated by the, you know, by the opponents uh, fans. So you know that that's definitely one of the interesting I remember about Phoenix and and the challenges of teams in there. What uh, in in both of your you know unique ascents to where you are now in your career? What are some skills um, that you use regularly now that you maybe didn't think you would need, um, or something that uh, you've kind of picked up along the way, like a skill you didn't know you would need. Yeah, I think for, for me, one thing that, you know, when I was preparing for, uh, you know, career in, in analytics, you know, you, you think of the data side of it, you think of the math side of it, right? Um, but the, the data visualization side of it was, you know, I, I think it is and can, will continue to be kind of the underserved and undertaught uh, piece of it. So, um, you know, Ben mentioned Tableau um, and, you know, there's other tools in that same space, but, you know, being uh, proficient in, in Tableau and not only, you know, 
knowing how to use the technology, but how to use it effectively to take the, the data analysis that you've done and, and present it to um, others in the organization that may not be as, as data friendly because you know nine times out of 10, they don't necessarily care about all the hard work you went in data prep, data cleansing, data manipulation and programming and, and applying you know mathematical uh, processes. They, they really just want to know the findings and know that you know it's you know that you did it, did it the right way. So uh, being able to to display that and, and show them in a, a concise manner and they're you know, there is a, a right and a wrong way to do data visualization. And, um, you know, it can ruin a lot of your hard work if you don't do it correctly. So that's something that, you know, is kind of a passion of mine is, is data, data visualization and, and understanding how to, to apply it. Um, and also just, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, but like PowerPoint too, you know, like probably use PowerPoint way more than I ever, ever expected to. Um, and a lot of that's, you know, taking the, the visualizations you're creating and then, putting uh, words to, to that to um, convey recommendations, um, analysis and things like that. So th those are two things which again, like maybe you don't think of right away as, as being um, analytics, you know, primary focus, but they're, they're crucial to really um, being effective in, a, in an organization. Ben, a quick follow-up on yeah. Eddie's point to you in, in that, um, you know, the, the data visualization is huge, but for someone who's coming out of grad school or college or even an entry level role where they're just learning about the data side, what are the hard skills that they truly need to be competent in to be able to go into an interview? Because it's one thing to just say, oh, yeah, I'm good with numbers or I, I know, you know, I got a I took math classes in college. Right. Like there are true. I mean, do you put do you put people through like coding uh, projects in the interview process? I mean, how, how do you figure out if they can truly do what you need them to do? Great question. Uh, great question. So I think uh, what Addy mentioned is, is, is very helpful to understand this is that if you really want to have a career in analytics, which means, you know, you're not going to switch to sales or marketing or event operations or sponsorships, those are all great careers too, but but if you really want to dedicate and commit to to a, a career in analytics, the skills of you know um, SQL, uh, Tableau, and maybe some Python is is extremely important. The reason is that uh, when I started working for you know my first job with Columbus Crew, there's really no data visualization tools yet. But we still need to create a lot of visualizations to help uh, people understand the situation, understand what you know what the data is telling, what story the data is telling, or what the insights are. So having that skills is really you know step one, and then uh, step two and three is really what I learned through the career is that you know um, the hard skills in SQL is extremely important because the teams are using all the different data systems from ticketing system, no matter it's Ticketmaster or StubHub or uh, SeatGeek, and they're using uh, merchandise systems. Every one of them, and, and CRM and the email marketing, every one of them is a data system. So having a hard skill of using SQL is one of the interview question I always, uh, I always kind of ask. Uh, we have a schedule 
of interview questions. Basically, it's, it's a three, three-step question focused on SQL. Uh, basically, just simply as giving you a table in SQL, uh, write a query for me to answer a few questions, as simple as that. Uh, if, if somebody is really no SQL and work uh, with SQL before, uh, the question will, will, you know, the answer will help us to understand if the, the, the candidate is qualified. And um, besides that, I think one more thing I learned along the way uh, through the past 10 years is really, as an analytic person, uh, absolutely you have to work hard, but working smart in a funny and, and automated way to help you save time is so important is that you don't want to you don't want to wear yourself out you don't want to uh, you don't want to keep doing the same thing again and again and again um, um, not you know you know not making progress it's so it's it's so important that use uh, use the tool and learn about the tool learn about the new skills to automate the things you know automate your reports right automate the insights even the the story you want to tell uh, automate the charts, automate the the dashboards, uh, automate, you know the the you know pricing for single game tickets if you're dynamically pricing them. Uh, automate you know uh, the data integration between systems, right? All these stuff are gonna uh, be interesting and fun for uh, for the students and young professionals to learn, as well as gonna help you save time a lot of time so that you have. You have more time to talk with people, you know, dealing with issues and uh, learn more, you know, better skills. So I think that's uh, that is an important thing to always keep in mind when when, uh, when you know students are coming uh, coming to an industry. Yeah, it's a great point. I know Laura's got a follow up to it, but but Eddie, I think um, you know it's it's kind of like. Uh, different languages, right? If you're going into player development and in, in baseball and you, you think you can speak Spanish, but you really can't, right? It's it's kind of that that level of competency, right, Laura? Jake, you literally are reading my mind because that was quite literally my question was, I feel like in my little stint in the data and the SQL and the Tableau world, and I do mean stint, very short amount of time, it was almost a different language that you had to learn um, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being extremely important and one being whatever, you know, how important is it that somebody coming into this field is able to take what the client is asking for, understand what they're asking, a actually asking, provide that in data, and then quote unquote, translate it uh, into uh, layman's terms, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think what what you just described is really kind of the the essence of of analytics and, and sort of what we look for when you know, or at least what I look for when when I'm hiring, whether that's for an internship position or uh, you know, a full time hire, is really someone being able to to go soup to nuts from a very unstructured raw data set and take it and create actionable insights off of it, and going that's going through the steps of data cleansing, um, data manipulation using programming. Um, you know, applying mathematical techniques, creating visualizations, and then eventually articulating um, those findings. You know, if, if someone can demonstrate they can do all of those, then, you know, I think that, 
you know, that's, that's someone we're, we're interested in. And I think that, you know, as students are looking to get into the, the analytics field, I think that that's the approach they should be taking is, can I check each of those boxes in some capacity? Now from a programming language, you know, I, I don't, you know, at least personally don't expect, you know, every candidate to have, you know, knowledge of, of all the different um, languages, SQL, Ben mentioned is, is very important and it's very translatable across, you know, most organizations. So I always recommend that that's a, a good place to start, but, um, you know, there's R, Python, C sharp, like there's Java, there's a lot of different languages out there um, generally. And, and I think this is, is probably true um, across the, the field is if you can show demonstrated ability to learn one of those languages, usually you can you can learn and pick up the others and, and start to apply it. Um, so really, it's just showing that you're you're able and, and willing to, to do and, and work in those languages. You know, when I when I started at the Suns, I, I had SQL knowledge, um, but they were in the process of implementing uh, SAS technology, which in and of itself is its own uh, language a little bit has some some SQL um, uh, attributes to it but um you know they didn't expect me or, or try and find someone that actually had sas because you're, you're starting to really limit your pool ultimately you bet on the person right and uh you know they they thought that i could could learn and and go through training and, and figure it out so i was able to use kind of that foundational sql and uh, you know i had some java knowledge and then apply it to learning new things right um you know, because every organization is different. They're set up differently from a data standpoint, um, use different languages. You know, at the Penguins, we're, we're largely language agnostic, um, you know, so we'll, we'll hire interns and, and, you know, different projects call for different things. But if, if they want to use R to do something or use SQL, like we're, we're open to to a lot of different things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think like long-winded answer, but being able to, uh, to, just show that you can can do those different areas, um, and then you know hopefully pick up on the rest and learn the rest. Eddie, I think there's a, there's such a, a critical component. I I've had I've gotten a, a similar stint to Laura in terms of the Tableau world, and um, coming from an, someone who didn't have any experience, and then getting kind of thrown into the fire and trying to figure it out, you learn a lot about there's good data and bad data. Right. And not all data is good. Um, there's, you know, if you have bad data and you're trying to tell the wrong story, right, it, it, it can have a lot of bad, um, you know, repercussions in, in the long run. And from the perspective of making sure, you know, you mentioned data, data cleansing and, um, you know, understanding how to structure the data. Right. There's a lot of back end stuff that the, that the uh, typical employee has no idea about, but at the same time, um, how important is good data and understanding how you're getting your data uh, to telling the right story? Because ultimately, you guys were talking about bringing this to the you know ultimate decision maker or setting a strategy, Ben, to mm -hmm. you know uh, set the you know the future with a project or where you're spending or what your revenue is. But mm -hmm. if you're relying on data uh to drive those yeah. decisions you've got to make sure you got the right data right totally totally i, th I think uh that's that's what i was thinking about to talk about is it's really um i think uh, back uh, you know just just to talk about this question jake and also uh laura's question earlier i i really feel like strongly that every team uh pretty much every sports organization uh even though 
most people don't use SQL or Tableau, but there are a lot of people understand data, understand the stories and are, are being very analytical. At least in my experience for, you know, in all the teams I work with, they're always a champion that I, I partner with that, you know, who are so, so analytical, uh, detail-oriented people uh, who, you know, are, are, you know, can help me translate uh, the business challenges into what I need to do. And, and that's always, you know, a, a, a big win, I think. Uh, winning their trust is, is always huge. And uh, Jake, back to your question, the, the good data, back data has become um, more and more a, a big issue uh, in, my, in my experience. Um, I think in the past two years, what we're trying to do is, you know, um, having people focus on data operations. Uh, so data operations touch uh, when we have a, a analytical project, they need to understand what kind of data we need to get. It's, is it sales data, marketing data, you know, attendance data, where we should get that from and how to transform them into the correct format? How do we make sure there's no duplicates so that we're not double counted, right? A lot of quality control or quality checking steps to make sure data is uh, valid before you even start counting it or analyzing it. Uh, so I, th I think that's kind of um, one most important step. And that's what we have done in the past two years is we created this data operation team in the department and there are uh, people really focusing on database management, but folks on C SQL, focusing on um, cleaning up the data and, and uh, make sure it's accurate uh, and you know, monitor the quality of the data as well. Um, yeah. When I that's when I first huge. when I first kind of dabbled in the Tableau and and they started to mention, hey, we got to make sure you've got clean data. I'm like, clean data. What what does that mean? You know, I, <laughs> is my is my you know what's wrong with my data, right? And so I think um, there's just such a big learning curve, right, to this side of of the business, but it's so vitally important. Uh, as we continue to advance with technology and, and um, you know, other infrastructure uh, as we move forward, Eddie, you know, you, you had a little bit of time on the player side of analytics with the Suns when you first started out. And again, that's at the beginning of the episode, we kind of mentioned that's where everyone, that's where their minds go is uh, player analytics, you know, and there's a lot of similarities yet differences from the player to the business side. But one of the biggest things that I noticed back in my, my quick time on the player side was the there's the data, then there's the actionable insights, but to actually coach it and teach it is a whole nother level, right? To get it to the player for the player to understand what to actually do with it on, you know, on the court or on the field. That's a whole nother ball game. And that's almost, I don't know if there's a comparable to it, Eddie, in a sense, from the business side. Yeah, there is a little bit, right? Um, because ultimately, like in both cases, you're you're usually taking data and insights and trying to communicate actionable um, information to someone who's maybe not as comfortable. Um, and and you get that on the business side too. There's there's managers and uh, you know executives who are are more comfortable or less comfortable with data. The, you know you find the same thing on the, the coaching side and, and player side for sure. You know I think 
in general, like a lot of the, the player analytics stuff is either going through front office or um, coaches. So that's really your, your target audience. And then it's on them to take the information and, and teach it to the players. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is, you know, I, I think you got to understand who, who your audience is, their level of comfortability with, with the data. Um, how do they best receive it? Um, I think that's a, that's a key thing too. You can't just force feed it um, down you know, whoever, whoever's receiving it, you, you got to understand like, what's the best way, what are the things they're interested in? And, and this goes back to even Ben um, mentioning about like automating things like, you know, this is, this is the case across both, but like, that's the easiest way to become someone's best friend is, is make their life easier. So start there, gain their trust and then move on to saying like, Hey, you know, this is, this is interesting. We should look at this, but like start by helping them with the things they're interested in and making their job easier first, build that trust. And then you can start to kind of form that relationship in terms of, um, you know, recommending, making recommendations, using data and, and additional things maybe that they didn't ask for. But I think, you know, sometimes you can make a mistake of coming in you know, too aggressive and saying like, here's all this information. Um, it can be overwhelming and, and off-putting. And, you know, I think you gotta be double careful on the, the player side, just because, um, you know, in a lot of cases, it's not as comfortable, right? And, and people gravitate to, to what they're, they're comfortable and familiar with. So it's, it's definitely a, a, you know, a progression uh, in a lot of cases. You know, there are guys now, especially that are, are more comfortable with the data side and even coming from data backgrounds. So that's, that's, of course, an easier conversation, but that's, that's not the case everywhere. Yeah, it's certainly, you know, even getting the buy-in too, right, to, to use the data, I think is step one. And then, um, you know, continuing to progress from there, Eddie, as you mentioned, with what do they actually need? What do they want? And what are they actually going to use? Um, making their lives easier. Laura, rapid fire time to wrap up the episode. I think this is always a, a fun one. Um, this is the best part of the, of the whole podcast. This is the, the best segment. I I might be, you know, biased, but I think it's the best one. So these are going to be the toughest questions you've ever answered in your entire life. So I'm just going to, you know, say that out front. But uh, basically, I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to ask you questions. Jake will ask you a question. And uh, the first thing that comes to your mind, that's what we're going with. Okay. I have to put on my data, my data hat so I can ask these questions. So here's my que first question for you. Are you a one monitor person? Two monitor or three? <laughs> Five. How does that set? Wait a minute. What? Oh, so yeah. how? So you have your laptop? <laughs> how? Five? I have a, I have a, I have a desktop, and uh, I have a kind of a, a rack that that can hold four monitors, and I have another one just on the side. <laughs> I thought I was living a good life with two months. Man, five. That that's that's amazing. Little, little do we know, Eddie's got like seven. You know, Eddie, how many do you have? That gives me something to uh, aspire to. Uh, I I have two, but I guess the caveat is my one is like probably the equivalent of two monitors. So it's like two and a half or three. It's one of those giant ones, but um, wow. definitely definitely not five. But you know, I could probably find use for five. Exactly. Wow. Now, Ben, here's a question. Will you ever go back to two monitors? Uh, if, if I have no, no other choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> once, you, once you've experienced greatness, you're like, I'm, a, I'm not. That's amazing. Yeah. I want five yeah, I go, monitors. 
Please. I got a follow. I got a follow up. Uh, standing you. desk mm. or darkness? Which one's more important? Uh, for me, like, and I don't have one at my my apartment, but I have at work a standing desk, and I miss it a lot because it's so easy to just sit here and forget to like stand up even when your watch is like yelling at you to stand up and I don't you know like the standing desk is just a lot easier to um keep that as part of your day and working from home is, is definitely uh definitely hindered that so um standing desk for me yeah me too hey I, I always say I have a standing desk and I always uh, say yeah. I want to use my standing desk, but it's just, it, 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 I get comfy in my chair or my ball, and next thing you know, I'm sitting. You gotta have, well, you gotta um, have the mat. You gotta have the mat to stand on. That's, that is that is key. That is not one of the cheap ones. Like you can't, you can't no. cut corners on the mat. You gotta get a good, it gives me a, a newfound appreciation for grocery store clerks. Staying all day. Okay, last rapid fire question. Um, we're gonna take it back to Athens, to this, to the the good, the cold brick streets of Athens. Okay, your late night food choice. Oh, Obetti's, done. Easy peasy. Ben, uh, is there a a kind of a? I I don't remember the exact name, but it, it could be Big Mamas. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yes, the burrito. Oh my God. Yes, I remembered it. Yes, the burrito. That's my favorite. <laughs> those are, those are both class. Those are, those are, I really want a burrito. It's like you see a, a, a Big Mama's burrito and you don't think that you can consume the entire thing. And then it, next thing you know, it's gone. It's like, Laura, yeah. I got, I got, a, I got a follow up. Yeah. Bird, Bird Arena. Convocation Center or Peden? I have bad memories, man, from Peden. So <laughs> football set up and all that. Yeah, no. 20, right. 25 degree nights on a Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. No, I'll do the convo. That's the classic 1970s bowl arena. Ben? Uh, I'm kind of indifferent, <laughs> to be honest. I'm with you. They're all the, they're all the, they are all the same. Eddie, I remember all the same. So Eddie and I were at OU at the same time. He's a year ahead of me, and I remember the setups at the football games and it being freezing cold. But Eddie used to be so quick. Like he would be come in and like, okay, we need to build this structure, this structure, this structure, and this structure. And here comes Eddie, and he's like, boom, 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 boom. And I'm still trying to tie my shoes. <laughs> Not that I was doing that on purpose or anything, but I was just, I was just throwing that out there. Thanks, Eddie, Eddie. Ben, last, I know, I know Laura said last question, but last question of the episode, if you could describe what other people think of data and analytics in one word, how could you describe it? Oh, that's a good one. Ooh. Um, that's a good one. Uh, other people like from you know Around sales office, and marketing yeah some, yeah so people people you work with how do they describe data and analytics i would say they are they would describe it as important and helpful 
Yeah, I was going to say, trying to, to work it into to one phrase, but inti intimidatingly helpful, I guess, is, is probably the, you know, the <laughs> word. Like, you know, I think sometimes it can be, it can be a lot, obviously, but, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely come a long way in terms of just being intimidating to, to now people understanding it's, it's applicable and, and important. So um, I'll, I'll just piggyback on, on Ben's. Uh, I'm surprised yeah, 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 it's exciting. Like, does, does no one else get like their eyes light up when they when they see a new Tableau dashboard or somebody keeps asking you for daily reports and you're like, you know what, I'm just gonna set you up a, tab a dashboard and you can check it yourself. Like, I was I was yeah. gonna go with mind blowing. I mean, I just uh, <laughs> sometimes they're like, just just don't even know how to. I mean, we might be biased on this call, though, Jake. We might I know, be able... I know, I know. Well, be. Eddie, Ben, really appreciate your time, your thoughts. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.